No, no, no. Look straight at me while I'm doing it. <laughs> okay, this is Mistress Veronica, and you're listening to the Massacast, which is for people 18 years or older. Thank you. This has been a long time coming because I've been asking you guys to they're like, we should do this. We should do this. And we were moving. And then, you know, you guys were always busy. And so this is good. This is like, this is like the, I was trying to put into context of, of who, how to describe the two of you to people who haven't met you before. And, um, sort of like a kinky odd couple, except neither of you are the stuck up one. You want to know how we met, which is a good turn involves if you. Sod, were, Sod's here too, by the way. It's just yeah, the, yeah. the people. Okay. We were, we literally were walking down the street, Fifth Avenue. Yeah. On our way to the Parthenon for one of your presentations. Um, I think it was the, I was at the fire play. It was a rope. It was a, whatever. We, we, we just happened to start chatting and we realized we knew a lot of the, the same, same people. people. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and then Bruce was very helpful in giving me good advice about what kink events and conventions I should go to. Were you fairly to... new to the scene at the time? Reasonably, yeah, innocent. Right. Innocent, yes. As innocent was as you could be. Was this before or after we met up at Floating World? Um, this oh, was... this is before. Yeah, because I went to Floating World and volunteered there at Bruce's suggestion, which is a great way to meet people on a level you know i was on the medical team good thing nobody was seriously ill i thought we had already met you and knew you yeah, were familiar yeah. with you at yeah you world, both did yeah that was like you know almost world was a, the, the minute i walked in with you and widow yeah my, my reputation was made <laughs> i mean you know You're welcome. A, i mean yeah. you you just made me look good <laughs> I mean, and then you showed up. Yes. Yeah. She, she has that. Thought. I mean, even when I walk, I mean, people sometimes will walk. I mean, people will comment to us, oh, you're a good looking couple. Like, trust me, if I walk alone, I'm a, I'm a one if I'm walking <laughs> no, down no, the street. Um, yeah, I have that same problem. That's what, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to complain. I'm not complaining. I want to be very clear. Um, so that's how you met. That's how we yeah. met. And then, how, so, because uh, Bruce, you seem like the kind of guy. I remember meeting you at a test event because you would always sit up front. Yeah. I remember I was fairly new to the scene, and I believe like one of the only seats available was right next to you, which should have been a warning sign. <laughs> really, should have been a warning. No one's willing to sit next to this guy. He's too dangerous. Um, and then you just started ta- chatting with me. And I remember thinking, like, how incredibly nice is that, that you just start chatting with the person next to you? And it wasn't in like a, you know, because sometimes you can meet someone in the scene, regardless of who you are, and you'll be like, this person is a little creepy, right? But you were not. You were very friendly. You had great questions that you were asking of the present presenter. I don't even remember what the thing was, but I remember meeting you and just thinking, like, just such a nice person who uh, is just puts himself out there. And well, I, I and that clearly you did the same thing with Shermie. It's 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 amazing that I was the, the focal point that you remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that very very vividly. Okay, I've been around for a long time, mid seventies. I've seen the scene change over the years. And I tell people, every seven years it changes. Every seven years it changes. And I learned one thing. If you're not friendly, I mean, you're at a BDSM event. You know, like Shermie and I always say, there's no laughing in BDSM or serious people. <laughs> well, if you ain't well, having... That's our creed. That is our creed. <laughs> no laughing. <clears throat> Everybody has to start in. I always tell people, what the hardest thing for anybody to do is go to a munch and walk in the door. That'll be the hardest thing. Go to a club like Paddles or or a play party, whatever. But the hardest thing you're ever going to do the first time is walk through the door. Right. And if you have somebody that's friendly. Right. That is the key. Because... The first few events you go to when you don't know anybody and nobody knows you, it's very, very scary and yeah. off-putting. Yeah. And some of the 
you know, best people I know in the scene, the longest, you know, people like, you know, House Slave. You know, Chucky was was unbelievably open and welcoming online on the rapture boards. Mm-hmm. And then I met him. But, <laughs> but that's that's another story. What what's really interesting is that Bruce and I come from very different backgrounds. Um you know, I, I come from a traditional um, graduate, postgraduate education, medical background, and Bruce comes from a completely different, I'll let him describe his own background, and yet we think exactly the same way about kink issues and safety and how to treat people, how to be welcoming how we like to be treated. It's its really quite interesting that we're, we're very, so very different and yet very much like-minded. When, and, and he's my wingman, essentially. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could probably argue of who's the ring, wingman between the two of you. Uh, yes. Bruce would probably say you're the wingman. Yes. But... We take turns. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, my background is, is, one, I was not very well I didn't do well in school. I was the problem child. I was the person always causing trouble. And when I was 17, my father made a decision, and it was life-changing. I was put in the military, Marine Corps, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, there was also some bad things. (laughs) But all in all, I understood that, yeah, you got to get along to go along. Right. And if you're not willing to make certain sacrifices, if you want to introduce somebody, you know, you want to meet somebody, buy them a drink, buy them a dinner. Um, And we find out that just being more open and helping people, okay, they're willing to help me. It can't be that bad, can they? Well, I've noticed just going to kink, because Saad and I have have not been in the public scene. Yeah. For the last few years, due to school, work, a yeah. whole bunch of other stuff, and uh, it's great because we'll go to an event, and if we see you two there, which chances are we'll see you two there, uh, we'll see people show who we have never met because we've been, we've only gone to like private events and stuff like that. But that's what I tell you. Every seven years, it completely changes. You'll see people. What happens? They move away for a job. They leave the scene. Sure. They get married. They have the 2.3 kids in the white picket fence. <laughs> yeah. Or they just disappear. Right. You know, and it changes. Or they get banned. Or they get banned. Or Well, I'll, well, I'll yeah. see people, like, show up, and it's, everyone, is you're like Norm from Cheers, collectively. People, yeah. you know, people will walk in and they're like, hey, Bruce and Jeremy. Right. Um, I, I have facial recognition disorder. <laughs> A lot of people, I go, hey, Bruce, what's their name? You know, because... You know, we, the, we suffer I'm, I'm from three fatal diseases. We can't hear shit, we can't see shit, and we can't remember shit. <laughs> and and, it, and it's, listen, you've got so many people. I go to an event, like I'm doing an event in two weeks, and I'm, I'm on staff for it. And I got people that come up to me. Oh, it's so nice to see you and everything. They want to hug me. And I go, who is this person? <laughs> I don't even know them. I mean, it could I think be. Everybody feels so special and cared about Aww. that they think of you as bosom buddies and I'm always happy to see you. I volunteer, but I volunteer in the background. I'm not the person that has my face out front, right? I don't want to be the big kahuna. Right. Give me my own little thiefdom of what I do. And I do basically set up and break down on events. Right. So I'm there before and I'm there after and in between I'm doing a few things. But it's people get to see you. But he also was the longest. Um, how can I frame this? The longest continuing person who does what they do at test right. because everyone else burns out. Right. Yeah. Not Bruce. I don't burn out because I stay in my own little thiefdom. Right. And uh, everybody leaves me alone. Well, I, when you said like people, people come up and they hug you and you don't remember them. I'm sure it's better than the alternative than like throwing a water in your drink in your face or oh, something yeah, like no. that. Then, then. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you know, something. Um, we have t- people that have been in this scene that have been how can we say consent violators. Mm-hmm. When I started, 
the word consent you couldn't find. You go to a play space, you go to Hellfire, the vault, or those places, forget it. The first time I, me and my girlfriend went into the vault, right? You go to the door, and there's a big, burly guy. White beard, leather jacket and everything. What was his name? Lenny Waller. And Lenny was the, was the teddy bear. The gentle little teddy bear. The little kitten. <laughs> nicest person you'll ever meet. The nicest person you'll ever meet. And he was just, he was just a really nice person. Welcoming. And I learned something from that. Over there, you got somebody being beaten with a whip or whatever. And over here, you got this nice guy. Right. Okay. Okay. What was your introduction to kink? Back in that day, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything. I mean, if you turned around and told people, you're going to have no internet, no phone, whatever. Right. You might have the back page of the Village Voice. That's how it got its name, back page. And there you couldn't say, oh, gee, I want to be caned or I want to be whipped or I want to do this or I want to do that. I speak English, meaning English caning. Right. I speak Greek, butt stuff. I speak French. So it was coded. Then Al Goldstein, Screw Magazine, came up and he started a section called Hell's Bells. And still, we didn't have the internet. If you wanted to see a pro dom, you'd open up the, there, and there they were. And they were advertising so blatantly on what they were doing, you know, right. where you couldn't do that today on the internet. Right. Right? They would put down their prices, this, that, the other thing. And that's how it was. Right. That's if you wanted to meet a pro dom. But if you wanted to meet lifestyle people, you had to go out and put your face to face with them. Yeah. You know? Communications was extremely hard. So you, you stumbled upon it? Like, yeah, in the, in pretty the, much. Right? Pretty much. We well, yeah, we had books like Marquis de Sade. Right. We had a few others out there. But the biggest percentage of it was gay male. They were the ones that really started it. And then there was Tess. And then there was Tess. Two guys put an ad in the paper, submissive men having a group, 1971. Wow. Were you at some of the earlier? I started with Tess about 77, 78, when they started to be a little more public. Yeah. You know, remember, Big Taboo was out there. I mean, if you told somebody, I dress up in leather and I go out and I beat somebody, you'd lose your job. Right. You know, it was a totally different world. You know, um, when Stonewall happened, things started to open up. You know, but still... Kink was still looked on as the pariah. Right. And mental illness. And mental illness. To like, what is it, DM5? What's DSM. That name? Yeah. DSM5, whatever. Mm -hmm. That was changed. But when the, around late 90s, that's when the internet started to happen. And that's when people started to communicate. You know, and once the internet started up, the world opened up. Right. You had an influx of people that was phenomenal. Then people started having parties. You know? Right. Because before, you'd, you'd meet someone and just hope that you can go back to someone's house or something, right? Yeah, that, or you'd go, we had the Hellfire, the Vault, the Lord, but they were mostly gay male type events. Sure. But they would have BDSM in there too. So if you wanted to play you and your girl, whatever, fine, you'd go there. But the rules there, the one we had one rule there. If it drops on the floor, it stays on the floor because anything that's on that floor, you don't want to know about. There was a species of being called wankers. Public displays of... Oh, God. Yes. Jerking on, right? Yes, right. pretty much. That's not... Yeah. So they would just... They would be... Because I've heard so many stories about Hellfire over the years. And yeah. everyone's like... It was the, you, here's how a, a description of Hellfire usually goes. It was disgusting. No, there was no such thing as consent. People, uh, you, you, you would just, wouldn't ask you if you want to participate. You'd just get something sprayed all over you or whatever. It was awesome. You know, that's what, how you how they usually <laughs> describe it. They had a house mistress and she'd want to play with somebody, right? So, she was going to play with you. 
So how did she find out who she was going to play with? She would have 10 guys there, put your dick on the pipe. She would take a cane. If you pulled away, you're off. <laughs> it would come down to the last two guys. And she and she wasn't hitting them hard. Right. You know, but the fear on some people, I'm going to get a get my dick hit with a cane. Oh, man. You get four or five guys walk right away. <laughs> and then you get the last two. And they're getting their dicks beat off. How many times were you the last man standing? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it was, this is how it happened. Right. You know. The, the female population in most of these places was 20 to 1. Yeah. Now, remember... Oh, 1 it, to 20. Right. Well, 20 men to 1 female. Right. Shermie and I went to a... What do you say? A party or whatever. There were five men. Okay? Five identified men. 20 female. Well, female body. Right. Female body. Right. And about five male body. Right. We fit right in. Right. <laughs> that that was essentially one of the, you know, queer events that we were invited to this right, year. Sure. And we had a wonderful time. Yeah. Just, you know, being accepted for who we were. We watched our pronouns. Right. And we're good. You, you Shermie, you, how did you get, were you always interested in kink or? Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, meaning... I had ideations even as a child, which I never was able to interpret until I developed a vocabulary. And thanks to the internet, which, gee, these are the feelings that I've had all along. Other people have these feelings? Like, what an epiphany. Right. And then I started going, you know, to pro-doms and gradually into the party scene lifestyle and... uh here I am, you know. Uh, you've also, you've, you've both seen things change so dramatically. Are there aspects that you miss from, you know, from, you know, the, the 70s? Or are there, you know, 70s, 80s, or 90s? Or, you know, pick your time. Are there, are there any aspects that you miss? Uh, or has it been just pretty much improvements all around? Okay. Improvements. Improvements from my point of view. It's like it's a double-edged that... sword. It cuts both ways, good and bad. I remember in the early 70s, sex and BDSM were intertwined. Intertwined. When AIDS happened, there was a big diversion. Uh, Gil Kessler once said, he says, why do you tie somebody up? It's to fuck them. <laughs> when the 80s AIDS crisis hit, uh, there was this big diversion, no sex, no nothing, and it stayed that way, and it's still kind of pretty much that way. But now you're starting to get places that are sex positive, and uh, it's becoming more and more. Change happens this way. Back then, you could be anonymous. You could put a mask on. Nobody's going to find you. How are they going to find you once you leave the place unless they follow you home? Right. Today, you can go on the internet. That's bad. You want information about a party or maybe how to do something or somebody teaching something. That's good. The internet is good for that. Things um, cut both ways. Right. There's nothing good and there's nothing bad. Right. It cuts both ways. I have a different opinion. I think it's only gotten much better. I think consent is a wonderful yes. thing. I think enthusiastic affirmative consent is the best kind. I think that the recognition of people uh, on the gender spectrum or people who are trans or queer identified has become a wonderful thing. It's really enlarged our community and, uh, you know, been a really positive thing for me to participate in. Um, I think it's wonderful. I know the, I've known people in the scene who wrestled with gender identity and identification, and there's been a lot of positive change in that, uh, which I've been thrilled to see. Um, is it, is it where it should be yet? No, 
but I, th I really think it's moving in the right direction. Um, the events and parties that we attend are much more open and more accepting of diversity than there ever have been. And that's a wonderful thing. I think education is now more widely available and taken up. And I think Bruce and I do a lot of education out of, um, you know, we want people to have a good time safely. We teach safety, um, how not to damage people that you really care about. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm convinced it's a much better place now. The, like Jeremy says, people can identify themselves how they want to live. Not in that little box that society wants to put you in. And that is a phenomenal thing that they can get information from the internet. How to do this. Where to meet people like themselves. And um, it might save lives. That's the good. Then you have people being trolled on the internet. Right. That's the bad thing. The other thing, too, is getting information about people that violate people's consent. There's been a few years ago, there was a, I call it the massacre, where a bunch of major rope tops were thrown out of the scene. Male gender. Male gender, because of them violating people's consent. Right. And, and we knew some of them abuse. very well. And abuse. When, when you look back, because right now I noticed, like, because we were looking at, we were looking for some events to go to, and Saad and I were like, oh, let's see what's up. There used to be, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember, uh, when there was maybe one party a month or something. It would be like, it would be a test party or it would be at paddles or something. It would be one party a month. Now there's like six a day. On a Tuesday, there'll be events, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's pretty amazing that, because, because when you used to, used to go to those events, you didn't know what you were going to you, you I mean, you were just excited yeah. to there, you could go someplace where that yeah. existed. Now there's like niche events like here's an event just for people who want to have a porcupine covered in grease and thrown at the face you know like they're oh holy shit there's something for everyone right. you know there's a very specific which is great which is awesome yeah no it, porcupines were damaged in the <laughs> it's it's been you can basically go out to at least five or six nights a week right if you want to right. and that's that's not been new i mean um, when I first got terribly interested in kink and had the freedom of a summer vacation, I would go out five, six nights a week. There were goth parties, there were vamp parties. Right. There I also were... drive to Philadelphia. Yeah. I used to drive to Philly. That car one. will travel for right. kink. Yeah. Hey. Long Island, Philadelphia, yeah. Massachusetts, and Boston a couple of times. Yeah, Boston. California, Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 Los Angeles. We, we, we were in L.A. two weeks ago at DomCon. Yeah. That was a hoot. That is. Oh, my God, was that fun. And again, it's because you can advertise it very cheaply over the Internet. Right. You know. And people are interested in networking. People yeah. are interested in education. Yeah. People are interested in expanding their skill sets. Uh, and they're all interested in sharing. And they're all, also, a lot of them are interested in having just friends that they don't have to hide themselves or their relationships around, whether or not it's an active component of what they're talking about, where they're meeting or what they're doing. Sometimes yeah. it's just really wonderful to have platonic friends that you don't have to hide from. Yeah. The thing too, is that you even look in modern media that they show on television, whatever people wearing high boots, black, what we consider to be kinky clothes Leather. Fashion loves it. Right. And they love it. sexy. Right? Well, guess where it came from? You know, uh, even how they sing. Uh, Rihanna sang the song, S&M. Mm -hmm. Right? Whips and chains excite me. That's changed. But it's still, there's that 10% bad out there. Nothing's always good. I always look at it that way, you know? It's like I go to events. I help run major events. And somebody says, oh, what's going to happen? I says, I guarantee you we're going to have a problem someplace along the line. You cannot do anything large without having a problem.
Right. You know, even even local parties. You know, you have somebody that does something inappropriate, somebody stalking somebody. It happens. I noticed. Uh, I, I was talking to someone recently who uh, is just trying to get in kink. Was asking for advice, and they are in their uh, mid sixties, and they're just they got a divorce, and they've always wanted to explore kink, and so they had all these questions like, how do I do this or whatever, and. Uh, that that was, I mean, obviously great to hear, and so glad that they're exploring it. Other, but um, they were they were very concerned. One of the biggest concerns was that they were going to start in one area, and then it was going to like they were only into let's say spanking. I can't remember the exact thing they were into, but they were worried that it was going to start off as spanking, and then next thing you know they're going to have hooks in their back. You know, they were worried that it was going to be something they always needed to add. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, say it. What's wrong with hooks? <laughs> Right. right. Here, here you go. When you start out, right, you make a list of the things you will never do, right? So let's say it's 100. Come back in five years. That list is 75. Come back in 10 years. Right. It's down to 50. Right. You're always going to have your core things of what you're never going to do, right? But you grow. You learn. You understand. Once you get an education, and I, I don't care, whoever hears this, get an education before you do anything. Research it again and again. Learn the safety precautions. And don't just learn the safety precautions from one person. Get it from two or three people. Or find out people that do this on a higher level. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times when I've heard, oh, this person's into X. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't understand the appeal of that. And then when you talk to them, you're like, oh, I can see it from their perspective why it's appealing. Right. I'm just curious, both of you, like, have you have your tastes changed over time? Like, uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, of course. So in what ways has. Well, my. My very hard limits are still my very hard. Limits. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. But, but no yeah. seafood in the Midwest. <laughs> well, That's the big. Without getting into details. Right. Uh, sure. You know, I would do anything, but I won't do that. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you find a situation where you're comfortable. Not, not just to give you, for instance, up until age seventy-four, I had never had a tattoo. And it was like, well, you know, and, and but I didn't feel comfortable getting a tattoo until I met an artist who was very kind to Bruce and I at an event and very open. And I looked at their art and I said, gee, this stuff they do, because she identifies as a they, them, is beautiful and wonderful. I want that. And guess what? I now have it. <laughs> right. Um, but it's interesting because other, other people tell me, you know, they like potato chips. Once you get one <laughs> tattoo, you're going to want another. And the answer for me is no. I'm <laughs> thrilled with the one I have. It was a statement that I made. Right. Felt very comfortable doing. And it's off my bucket list, I guess. I'm waiting for Bruce to yell, what's wrong with potato chips? <laughs> you know, there were cucumber flavored potato <laughs> yes, chips. Sir, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, are. yeah. We're in we're in Brooklyn now. And there's there's potato chips I've never even imagined that they exist. How about you, Bruce? You know something? It depends upon who I'm with. Um, not everybody's into X, Y, and Z. Some people are into ABC. And I always tell people, what are your three favorite things to do? Those three things are in my repertoire. Let's go. You know, if somebody wants to do X, Y, Z, and I want to do A, B, C, okay. You know, it's what you're into. And if you get two people, three people, four people, whatever, whatever the group is, and they all have the same passion for whatever you're going to do, you're going to have a phenomenal time. And I've had that happen many times. And sometimes you, you'll do something right. You're not supposed to renegotiate in the middle, but I'm at a level of play where, okay, we can go a little off into that direction, see where it goes. I'm willing to do that. But I'm playing with people. 
that one, I know, two, they have a high level of experience, and three, we play a little different than what most people do. You know, I scared some people, but that's another story. <laughs> but to echo what Bruce just said, which is, to me, really important, competence, connection, mm-hmm. and basically intimacy and affection. Those really enter into play and trust. And when those needs are met, play is wonderful. Yeah. It, it also relaxes you. Yeah. It's, you know? It's not about what you're doing. It's not about the rope. It's no. never about the rope. No. It's not about the needles. Not about no, the no. needles. Not even about the hooks. It's about the connection. Right. And the intimacy. And the brain chemicals, which get released in good play, which are wonderful. I I was doing a hook pull. That means pulling onto another person. And we were face-to-face. And they're playing drums. It's very tribal. And we're pulling and pulling and pulling. And we're looking. We're eye-to-eye. And then all of a sudden, somebody says, okay, we're shutting it down. Didn't we just start? He says, no, you've been at this for over an hour. And I go, you're kidding. But I had such an endorphin rush. Remember, endorphins is a legal drug. <laughs> it cannot be tested for. <laughs> and I was on an endorphin rush. Yeah. You know, and that person too. We spent the rest of the day together. We had a fantastic time. Again. That's great. You know. Are you surprised? I mean, I guess I'm not surprised knowing the both of you, but um, are you surprised that you went from attending uh, presentations and learning about kink to yourselves giving presentations? No. Because we also are known as the Stadler and Waldorf of kink. (laughs) Right. Meaning we criticize. We have seen things being taught which are bad, wrong, unsafe, and it's easy to criticize, but it's much more important to do better. Yeah. And that's what we have decided to do. Yeah. We teach people the way that we think is safer. And both of us are always open to learning something new, to expand our repertoire, to do something safer, better, nicer, whatever it takes, because we're always learning. How do you two decide together what you want to teach? Is it just, is it, uh, is it a, oh my God, can you believe that this person, we've got to do that. It's or, what we feel capable of it's, teaching. It's what yeah. we feel capable. It's also what we feel really competent about teaching, what we feel passionate about teaching. Um, we have a couple things that we've talked about that we want to teach that we haven't put together. Um, right now we're teaching caning, we're teaching needle play. Palette wrap. Um, Palette wrap. But we, um, we've we discussed and people have asked us to teach about being a dungeon monitor because people have no idea the right way to do it. Or many people we've met, they think they're out there they're supposed to say no to people. You can't do that. Well, the true purpose of a DM is to facilitate people doing what they want to do safely, uh, and that's what we'd like to teach. We've been asked to put a course together. We haven't done it yet, but we're going to. Also, um, fire play. Yeah, we've. <clears throat> I, I'm very passionate about teaching fire play safely because if somebody has a big horrendo happen while they're doing it, none of us are ever going to be allowed to do it in public. Yeah, right. So I, I really insist on teaching people multiple times, and we're going to set that up this um, summer at the Crown in their ongoing uh, educational efforts. And that's one thing, you know, to mention about the Crown in Brooklyn is almost every night of the week they have a course, a presentation, discussion, and you don't have to go as a participant. You can go as an observer. You can go and wear a mask, but you're going to meet people. You're going to find people who think the same way you are. Or you're going to find people you know to stay away from. Right. <laughs> but it's going to be 
a way to come out without um, fear, uh, without uh, fear of being judged. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing that, you know, Charlotte has done at the Crown. Yeah. And other people are doing similar things at other venues. Um, I know William at Temple yeah. is doing a lot of them. He's doing rope. We, we know uh, Sindara. Sindona. Sindona. Uh, in queer spaces at the library and at uh, their new space. Yeah. Um, these are really wonderful things that are happening. And, you know, we're happy to contribute when we can. There's a lot of growth for that. Saad and I have both been to some of your recent, we went to a needle uh, play demo, uh, which Saad was a guest of honor at as well. We've done the palette wrap one. And one thing I can tell is that you seem to, um, when you give a presentation, you seem to boil it down to its essence. And also uh, you, you you have a way of setting people at ease, I find. Uh People going to events, sometimes people are there, they, they don't know what to expect, they may be a little nervous or something like that. And uh, when you guys take the stage, it seems very, uh, you, you take all the the pomposity out of it. It's very chill, very friendly, very fun. Uh, you should almost have your own like uh, week, week-long week event where you just teach stuff every day of the week or something <laughs> like that. You we, know, we, we could if we get away with it. Right. No, but it's, it's, you have to realize we're both... We don't consider ourselves dominant, okay? We don't dominate the room. I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're who we are. We love sharing. And, you know, it's it's not a top-down way that we teach. Mm-hmm. We try to teach activities-based. We try to teach um, ways that almost anybody can do what we do based on fuel simple things. I have a background, a master's degree in education, but that just helps me structure an event. But Bruce has an unbelievable ability to teach from the bottom, which is a remarkable gift. And, and you know, when, when people will practice on Bruce, he will improve their style just by sharing how he feels, what he's getting out of it. Um, a rare, a rare and awesome ability. You know, we go to clubs and we'll sit up by a massage table. He'll be setting up his stuff and people walk right past us like we're a hole in the water. You got two creepy old guys by this table. And then he lights up a candle, he lights up an alcohol and he starts eating fire. And it's like moss to the flame. They come running over, and all of a sudden they go, what's that? And then Jeremy sits there, talks with them for a few minutes. Consent. And he puts fire in their hand, and he puts it out, and he shows them that it's safe. It's like a warm massage. And then about, he talks with them a little more. They get out of their clothes. They're laying down on the table. He goes to work, putting fire flushing on them. And they come up and they say, wow, that was fantastic. Where can I learn? Right. And again, you got to have a place to teach. And that in New York is very hard. That is very hard. You know. Space. Yeah. Space. Space. You know. By the way, I don't dominate people, which is, you know, it's called play. They dominate us sometimes. It's not top down. It's, it's. Play. We, that's, they, that's, we were invited to a tasting one time, and it's like 90 minutes of tasting, so they have spanking over here, caning over here, rope over here, and we did pallet wrap. You want to talk about work? I still think of that as work. <laughs> In 90 minutes, we put up in pallet wrap suspension nine people. That's pretty good. Right? Yeah, it was, it was work. It was work. Right? But, so we were nowhere dominating. But people enjoyed the sensation. Yeah. Pallet wrap is, is different than rope. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's just, and it's pretty too. Sure. Okay. Tell the story about March 14th, 2020. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the evening before the great pandemic right. shut down. And there was an event 
run by the Goddess Loft at Madame X in on on Houston Street. Yeah, Houston. And uh, they had asked Bruce and I to do a pallet wrap suspension demo. And at the last minute, um, the bottom they had arranged for us flaked. So I had no bottom. Um, Shayla, um, who we we both unbelievably respect and admire, was coming to the event, and I called her up and said, Hey, would you do me a big favor? She said, What? I said, Could you bottom for our demo? You know, I mean, so many people would say, Oh, I'm a pro dama. I never bottom in public. Shayla goes, Sure. And I told her, Well, you'd have to get partially naked for some of this before, while we wrap you and pallet wrap. And she says, No problem. And we did the demo, and the three of us never laughed so hard <laughs> in our lives. It, the whole room was laughing. It just was a real connected, fun demonstration of just having a good time. There was no blood. There was no crying. There was no pain. But it was just fun. It was laughter. And then the next morning, everything was... Gone. Gone. <laughs> Done for till almost now. Right. So you were you were coasting on that energy through the pandemic. Yeah. 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 It it just was a, a wonderful moment, you yeah. know. You know, I mean and, and and you know, to Shayla's credit, she's real authentic. Yeah. I mean there's what what you see is what you get. There's no pomposity, it's all real. It's there are givers and there's takers. And Shale is one of those givers that gives everything and then some, uh, with her teaching, with what did with us, and that. And then you have the others. You know, they're only into themselves. Some. We would do a thing at Test Fest, and we would read two books. We would first start out with a great book by John Oliver called Marlon Bundo. And then we would switch over to Mr. Looking for Mr. Benson. And we're passing the book around, and then the, the quintessential gay male novel, with all of the wonderful scenes. Right, and um, all of a sudden it gets to this English guy, and he starts reading it, and we're all there like, oh my god, this is like Alistair Cook, or or one of these great reading, reading. gay porn. It was beauty. Uh, it, was it was music. music. You know, and, we, and just, we just told him keep going. Keep going. He just kept going, right? Now, well, this originally started was we were at Spa Castle. Spa Castle is everything is a, is a spa. It's a, a spa in Queens, right? Right. Yeah, and it's a huge a, spa where you can you. It's it's like a, I don't know how would you describe it's it? It's like a five story building. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we're in an area where we're off by ourselves. And Jeremy brings this book, looking for Mr. Benson. So we have this person we know very well. She's a young female. And we give her the book to start to read. She's very timid. We, we, we were in a quiet corner by right. ourselves. We right. did not, and, you know, insert right. our kink into other people's right. lives. So, reads the forward. No, 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 keep going. Reads one page, wants to put it down. Two pages, not putting it down. <laughs> Three, and you can see on her face that this is getting hot. Finally, she gets to the end of the first chapter, chapter two. No, gotta stop. <laughs> Mr. Benson has that effect. Yeah, right. it does. It's it's a again a novel without consent, right? Without boy butter, it's all Crisco, right? Uh, Crisco it, works good. I'm telling you, it 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 is the quintessential. Um, yes, uh, gay male sex novel, yes. Bruce, can you talk about your, uh, how you came to be a person who talks as, you know, and communicates as a bottom? Sherman was just singing your praises about it and like, uh. Number one, I know my body. Okay, I've been through enough crap in my life to understand when something's right and when something's wrong. And it's also, I, I, can feel it right away if somebody's hitting me with a cane 
you're on one cheek, you're on two cheeks, you're doing it right, you're in, a, you're in an area that's dangerous, you're in an area that's safe, that's good, that's good, that's good. Or if somebody's doing a needle and they're going too deep and I tell them, you're going kind of deep because I can feel it, mm-hmm. it's not painful. Because if you go shallow, that's where the pain is. Or if they're going real shallow, I says, that's where you want to go if you want to cause pain. You know, and I tell them, I says, you could do evil needles or you could do this. Or if you're doing sounding or whatever we're doing, you know, I have that ability to teach him. He has the ability of not to go into subspace and still be instructive. Yeah. While, while teaching. Yeah. And it's it's a great skill. Is it a flip you switch in your brain? Like, okay, now I like I have to be focused and I have to teach, or I can just sit back and enjoy this and go to subspace. Okay, here you go. It's teaching. It's not a scene. Right. And I go in with that, saying, "I'm here to teach." I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to give them so that they can go out, do it safely, have fun, and a good laugh. Right. And if they do that, I did my job. Yeah. And when I see them at a party later on doing it, right, I did this one person, and they're in the business, and all of a sudden they told me, and they showed me a picture of what they did. And I smiled. And they says, you know, I always wanted to have those, like those English pictures where the stripes are equal on both sides with an equal spacing. <laughs> and I told her, I said, you're doing it. You're doing it. And it's like a pride. She goes, you know how good I felt? I said, that's what it's about. I just got paid for it. Right. I got my entertainment. When you came back to tell me you did it, you did it beautifully, and right. you're happy. I got paid. What Bruce teaches is not just where to hit, but how you stand how you use your body so that you're not exerting yourself. You're able to focus on the proper effect. And Bruce is great at teaching that. I I was hanging out with a dom that would go out and sell canes with George. And we've been doing it for a while. I says, we have to change the game. Now, this person could cane and was an expert at it, really had their stuff together. And I told her, I says, we got to do blindfolded caning. And this was a heavy player. It took me 45 minutes to convince her, let's go do this. And then she said, you're nuts. Well, we go downstairs. She puts on a blindfold. She had something that you can't, that she didn't know she had. One of her favorite comments is she puts a blindfold and goes, how the hell do people wear these things? <laughs> Here she's been in the business 25 years, <laughs> now puts on a blindfold. Says, how do you do it? Well, she hit me. And she looked at it later on and says, it's okay. It's not to my standard, but it's okay. But she had what I call natural point of aim. It's to be able to hit something where you don't have to look at what you're hitting. You know what you're hitting. Right. And it's how you position your body. And you could do that with a whip, a flogger, a cane. He does it even in fire play. He doesn't just move his arm. moves your whole body. It takes less stress. Uh, mind if I ask how old both of you are? No. You don't mind? And I don't mind. How old are you? And most people don't believe this. Cause I am 75 years old. Uh, I, most people say, no, you're lying. You're right. in your, your 50s, 60s. I have to show them my, my driver's license to prove it sometimes. Right. How about you, Bruce? I'm 72. So... Uh, do you do you are you fairly open with your doctors about? Uh, yeah, uh, well, so when you like when you say, "Oh, I need to take my heart medication," and oh, also the, uh, this is from a piercing. I, I, I do have a story. Um, I once visited my primary physician, and I had marks, and he's looking at them, and I could see the wheels turning in his brain because these are black and blue. Maybe they're petechiae. Do I have cancer? Do I have a bleeding disorder? And I reached over to him and I said, Arthur, you know that Fifty Shades of Grey stuff? <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. And gone. Right. You know, just, that was it. No longer concerned. No, nah, it was. And there was another incident, which is very interesting. I went for a colonoscopy once. And you took me once. And I was with somebody who was in the scene. And part of the nursing interview at that time was focused on pain pain tolerance. And the nurse as part of the interview asked me, well, you know, on a scale of one to ten, 
what you think your pain tolerance is. And I go, oh, I'm an eight. The young lady I'm with goes, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was outed, but, yeah, you know, it was all fun. <laughs> I go to my doctor, I'm pretty open with them, but I just don't want to go there all beat up. Right. You know, I'm not going to force it on them or whatever. Sure. So I just try to limit it like a month before. Okay, we're not going to do anything. Whatever, right. You know? So, I mean, listen, things happen, you know? I got so many scars on my body from other things, you right. know? Yeah. You know, I mean, I have a problem going through TSA. Because of shrapnel, right? Yes. Here you go. We're in Los Angeles coming back through, right? Two weeks ago? No, no, no. no. That was this a year, was a year, year ago. ago. Okay. So, I go through. Wait, wait, we start. I go through the metal detector. I'm fine. Although, I do have some plates and screws in my legs from I, broken ankle. I have body piercings. I have yeah. screws and stuff in my body. So, I'm rods. standing there waiting for him. And he goes through. And all of a sudden, the alarm goes off. So, I get the TSA agent. He says, do you want to go privately or whatever? I go, no, we're going to do it right here. <laughs> so I tell him, I said, just to let you know, I have shrapnel on me. He goes, what's that? Okay. So he's wanding. He's not going where the piercings are. He's going on my back where the shrapnel is. Okay. So he's wanding. He says, I got to get my supervisor. No. Then the patting down began. Right. So it wasn't just with the wand. You know, they, yeah, were, they, 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 were, they were touching him. I was getting groped, right? Yes. right, for lack of a better word. I'm 15 feet away laughing. Yeah, he's standing there with my stuff laughing. But, so he gets his supervisor over. So a supervisor, uh, meantime, there's a, another TSA agent over on the right. He's laughing. Okay. He wanted me down. Do you want to go prior? No, we're going to do it right here. Finally, the guy that was over there laughing, he says, guys, I know what he's got. I'll tell you later. Let him through. <laughs> this is it's shrapnel. Right. I know. I know. The Found TSA it. agent had no clue. Right. So a few weeks ago, I go through. They, they don't pay them enough, by the no, way. Of course. No, they of don't. Of course not. So I get to the gate, right? to go in, you know, checking all the stuff. And I tell the guy, he says, you know, I got shrapnel. Okay. So he goes, you a Marine? I go, yeah, because I'm wearing my hat. So he goes, me too. So he shows me his fifth division pin. Goes okay. I says, you know, I got shrapnel. He goes, me too. So I go up to the gate, and I realize he's on the other side of the gate. So I think they shut the machine <laughs> to let me go through. In the meantime, when I got to the other side, I, the guy wanted me whatever. Get on. Through. <laughs> I mean, I'm 72 years old. I mean, what do they expect? Right. You know, this is the true terrorist. <laughs> right. You know, the true terrorist. <laughs>